Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It exposed the design process as like, oh, it's not like this weird, mysterious process that's like really, it's not like they go into the dungeon and like start brewing in a cauldron or anything. It's just a guy to Google Doc, just throwing words at a page. My name is Jeremy Gage, and welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast. This is an educational show involving all things tabletop role-playing industry. Listen alongside me as we hear from creators, entrepreneurs, and supporters about their personal best practices, principles, and philosophies. I encourage anyone from the budding game designer to a seasoned publisher and everyone in between to sit down with us and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming to the Draw Your Dice podcast. My name is Jeremy Gage. And as always, you heard the intro. It is never about me. It is about the person I brought to you today. Uh, long time in the making. Kept putting it off because I'll probably edit this out. They're a coward. They are a game designer. They are character keeper master. They are a consistent cast member on the chromatic actual play channel. All nerds here over on Twitch. I would like to welcome to the show. Kevin Wynn. <sighs> so glad to be here. I didn't get a script. I'm, I'm out here on my own. I'm like Jeremy who prepared for this. <laughs> Only Thank a little bit. Thank you so bit. much for having me. Only because I asked. Kevin, just in case, A, I didn't say your last name truly correct, please say it again. But would you give a brief introduction to yourself, as, to the audience, excuse me, not to yourself. Yeah. You already know who you are. Would you give an introduction to the people who are listening who may not be aware of who you are, Please make sure to like list any plugs where people can talk to you, find you, hire you for stuff. Let it rip, Beyblades. Yeah, I'm Kevin Wynn. That's Wynn. Pronouns currently. I'm currently using he, he, him pronouns. You can find my uh, game design work over at winconditions.com. That's Wynn, like my last name, N G U Y E N, conditions.com. 
And you can see some of that work, including the game we we're talking about today, Volley Boys, which is a No Dice, No Masters sort of uh, high Q inspired sports anime. But really, the sport is secondary to all the friendship kind of game. And also other games like Bros at Gate Dock, which is a pirate game, which people like a lot. And you can also see some of my work in Unbreakable Volume 1 and Own Voices Asian Anthology of Adventures. The first... Volume 1 was a 5e adventure anthology, but the next book coming out soon is Unbreakable Revolutions, which breaks apart, breaks away from the 5e template and includes uh, adventures for Black Hack and that that one heist game that everybody loves. Blades in the Dark? Blades in the Dark, yes. <laughs> we <laughs> and, did it. Uh, new game from Nevin Holmes, Gun, Gun Slinger. Yes. for that as well. Wow. Hello. Somebody is busy behind the scenes, just in the shadows, pumping out all sorts of goodies. Well, I hope that this episode will bring Kevin into a greater light. Additionally, Kevin, as an as an icebreaker for the listeners, mm-hmm. would you please walk us through sort of your journey into tabletop role playing games, both like what got you into practicing doing role play improv playing games? And then what was sort of like the first thing that got you to start muddling in the game design space? Yeah. The first blush I had that I can remember I had with tabletop role playing games was playing D and don't remember what edition it was. It was around the time that Lord of the Rings was coming out. Cause I remember every other, every player, including myself made basically made a Lord of the Rings character in that <laughs> game. And it was God awful. It was like one of the worst experiences of my life. Cause my no. character, another player, a close friend of mine in high school, it ended up just murdering the whole party, doing like some AOE bullshit and killing us all. And we were like, yeah, we're kind of good. We're, we don't need to touch this anymore. <laughs> we we did that and we can move on. And then I didn't touch games again for another couple, couple of years at least. And then Critical Role started uh, streaming and I got into that. I started watching that and then I started running. I got started playing a couple 5e games and then I started running some 5e games on through a play by post, which is a really fun experience, like doing that more slow burn and more like much more. It it felt more story oriented because people had a lot more time to think about their dialogue and stuff. And like I felt we were using uh, 5e at that time because Critical Role was and that was the big edition. And I started homebrewing some stuff because I started feeling kind of bumping up against the walls, me, myself and my players. Of what 5e provided, like a lot of folks. So I homebrewed a lot of stuff, homebrewed a setting, homebrewed some classes, homebrewed some character options and things like that, monsters, as most like 5e GMs will do. And then I th- I started seeing more and more like of these indie games, these non-5e games. And I I saw like folks, uh, some some streamers uh, that were streaming non-5e games, like designing on, on streams. And I, that like, kind of like it exposed the design process as like, oh, it's not like this weird, mysterious process. That's like, really, it's not like they go into the dungeon and like start brewing in a cauldron or anything. It's just a guy to Google doc, just throwing words at a page. And then I was really upset at a job I had at the time working in call center. And I just made this game, a skull center where in which you play out being in a one person, it's a two player game. One person is the caller. One person is the call center employee. And there's no way you can win. There's like, it says that in the game because that's just the way call centers go. And from there I started doing some more hacks and then I felt like some hacks weren't really representing what I wanted. There was not enough ammo tracking and things like that. There's not enough resource management. <laughs> 
in some of those games. And a lot of them were not representative of the narratives and things I was interested in with my identity. Like there was not a lot of like representation of like specifically my, my parents, sister games beyond the boat before the boats. And they took our war, our, uh, their narratives, their, their narratives that are focused on the Vietnam war, but not on the American perspective. They're focused on the Vietnamese perspective of that conflict. And that's, which is not a perspective that's really represented in English based media so much. And I wanted to share that. So it's a lot of that, like finding these both mechanical and narrative sort of boundaries that I kept bumping up against. So I'm like, if somebody else isn't going to do it, I guess I will. Great. I yeah. like, are we done? That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> nobody made, nobody made a volleyball game. Like I like the volleyball anime game. I like, so I made one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I think that's, I've been having a lot of conversations about like, what does it mean to create diverse pieces of, what do I want to say? Play, play isn't necessarily the only word this applies to. It's also mm-hmm. stuff like, like, conceptual theory or mm-hmm. or kind of academic learning mm-hmm. right in game form right and you know a lot of people in the current or at least what i'm exposed to kind of feel i feel like it's this guarded conversation of like we are demanding you know like getting getting diverse people hired over at wizard of the coast right mm-hmm. that's cool and all Mm -hmm. but i one issue that i don't think a lot of people are thinking about is that no matter how many diverse or inclusive individuals wizards of the coast hire wizards of the coast or even hasbro will never be a black owned black run it'll never be an age it'll it'll never be a diverse company because Mm -hmm. that's not what it's been built upon for the Mm -hmm. last 30 years, right? Or yeah. however many years it's been in existence. Mm-hmm. And so I am more of the mindset of like, I don't want to sit at someone else. Like, I don't want to sit at someone else's table. I don't care for it because that's like asking for permission in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, which we have a big rhetoric about of like, we don't need to ask permission to be places, but we are. We are. I think there's some people that are like asking permission to be in an already established place of prestige so that they don't have to put in the work to make their own space. Mm-hmm. And what I love about where you're coming from with this is that like, I'm not seeing it. I'll do it. Like I'll use my experience to, to get the space to start being created, right? You're putting in the legwork to show other people or to let people add on to what you're doing as well. And I think that's a very beautiful thing in a mindset I align with as well when I think about what I want to create going forward. So very cool stuff, Kevin. Do you still, do you still engage with D and D? This is not like a D and D dunk question. This is just like you had a bad experience with it Mm -hmm. sort of through the early beginnings of your, of your life. So is that something you still engage with currently today? I don't currently engage with it. I, I think five E as a mechanical thing, it's, it's fine if we acknowledge it as like the combat sim. It kind of is in less the narrative sim that sure. people like pretend it's to be. And mm-hmm. I would run it if people like really wanted to, but I, it's not, it wouldn't, 
it's no longer going to be my first choice. And I don't like publicly ever want to promote it really because mm-hmm. I have a lot of issues with Watsi and things like, and what they do in Hasbro. And it's like, there's just better games like mm-hmm. to play and promote out there. And like, yeah, it's this big, it's this huge, like thing, overwhelming, like umbrella. It's an umbrella term for like tabletop in like outside of the industry. And like, it gets people in the door and like, it's a mm-hmm. useful, it's a useful tool in its own ways, but I don't really engage with it personally too much. What do you, what do you think about that? Like permission slash making your own place sort of rhetoric as well. Do you have any thoughts in relation to what I said there? I think, I think it's a mixed bag. I I don't want to disparage folks who do jump in, who do like try to work for Watsi because like, as, as like the meme phrase says, we live in a society, like we got, people got to get by it. And like, it does, it is a platform that people can use to boost themselves up, which is mm-hmm. like, if, if you can use like the tools against them to like lift up yourself yeah. and other marginalized voices, please all, all more power to you. And I don't, I don't want to say like, just cause I don't fuck with 5e doesn't mean like anybody else can't fuck with it. I just True. think we need to yeah. recognize the issues with the company and things like that. And like, be careful with how we like sort of endorse these brands. Like it's not like what D and D and Watsi is not like, it's not really the community. Like folks say it is, it's, it's a brand, it's a company, it's a product. And like, mm-hmm. we can, we can acknowledge the tabletop community and like the community of fl- people that play and make for 5e without like, sort of going to bat for this product in this this corporation mm-hmm. and i but also like yeah this it's a scummy corporation that like really in most in in recent days as we saw with some folks that like sort of came to light with uh, watsi's practices will hire on diverse folks and just eat, chew them up use them to their own advantage to like say like yes we are diverse we are hiring people of color we are hiring queer folks and then like steal their ideas and then just let them go and let them get burned the fuck out. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think D and D and Watsi are a tool that we can use to like kind of uplift ourselves in spite of it, mm-hmm. but not because of it. Yeah. Cool. 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 I'm, I'm vibing. I'm here with it. Well, then let's talk about how you've been making space with, starting with a volleyball game that you needed to exist. Uh, let's talk about Volleyboys. So, Kevin, would you just, as the designer, give a brief introduction of, like, what Volleyboys is, what you're playing, and and how uh, you interact with the game as a player? Right, yeah. So the shitpost version of this pitch is, have you seen Haikyuu? It's that. So, <laughs> um, but Shout out the- to all my Haikyuu fans out there. <laughs> The the less shit posty version of this is that it's a no dice no masters built framework which is uh, token based and very uh more character forward than some other games like that we've mentioned on here might be and it's the volleyboys is about where you play out as high school high school students on a volleyball team and really the volleyball is ancillary to the character dynamics between the characters because the playbooks of the characters are you're playing out like the archetypes of characters in a sports anime rather Mm -hmm. than like the positions of like setter ace libro anything like that that you would find in volleyboy volleyball the actual sport you're playing out as like the captain you're playing out as the upstart the genius the romantic the the clown and like a lot of the moves are more like how do you 
how do you interact with the other characters on a personal level rather than like I I hit the ball real good, which is like you can do and which is real cool. It's always it's always cool to like describe how you really get in that spike and you lay into it the ball and how the ball like squishes on the frame and like everybody like sort of gasps and the music cuts out. But also it's really cool for the captain to have a move, I think, where you just take another player to and you go to the vending machines and you buy him a drink and you say like, what's going on? Like, tell me what's, what's the, what's, what are you feeling right now? Or like when you're the romantic and like, you just, <laughs> you go, you ask, you spend a token to ask another player, like, why do you love me? Like, what's, <laughs> like, I, I think that's great. That's like the real juice. And like, that's really emblematic of sports anime in my opinion, because the sports are almost like they're, they're like, they're just this catalyst for these character interactions more so than actually, like the focus it's still like a prominent role because it's still cool and sports are cool a lot of times but it's like really the thing that's the juice for me in these narratives are the character interactions which is what i wanted to emulate with this game and juice and i love the juice is catching on here (laughs) hashtag juice nation yeah i think here's the thing as cool as the action scenes in Haikyuu are, mm-hmm. right? As cool as, like, the... Almost the powers, right? Like, yeah. it's sort of, like, a little over-dramatized in terms of, of how each character is good at what they do. But the only re- That show would be useless without the context yeah. of watching the journey of all these characters and the relationships they form with one another. Mm-hmm. You know, how all the second years are really tight, how the third years are, like, this is their last chance to, like, live their high school glory days mm-hmm. and before, like, work starts. And they get to stop being kids. And then, like, the journey of someone who is probably going to go on to do this professionally for the rest of their lives and watching them grow as both a player, but also as like a person like this coming of age story. And there's so much wrapped up in Haikyuu. Big recommend if no one's like, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched Haikyuu, if if you want some nice, beautiful boy relationships, let's go. Let's go. I I need it. Also some strangely very athletically built children <laughs> like yeah. children with eight packs <laughs> yeah yeah fucking daichi dude <laughs> i've got high daichi energy i'm dad on the court so let's let's talk about how first some things of like reactions that i, I really like about the game i think the biggest thing that you sort of systemized a little bit. It doesn't like have a hard mechanic to it, but you have a specific paragraph in the book that talks about the audience and how when mm. certain players are not engaged in the scene, they mm. are the audience, right? Yes. And so what's really fascinating about that, and this is only fascinating to me because I come from sort of like a trad adventure background mm-hmm. and like D&D, and I do love those sorts of games. Like I love the trad adventure games, Emberwind, D and D God blessed. Like I liked dungeon world. I liked iron sworn, like that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But some of the time you get the, I can't call this like, this is a personal gripe. This isn't like a gripe at every table. So I should, I should preface that, but you know, you get the, when it's not a character in a scene, they kind of check out. They're like, yeah. 
catching up on their phone. They're not really engaged anymore. Mm-hmm. And so the danger of that is that there's like a break in pacing for that specific person. Potentially mm-hmm. they, you know, they may rally really easily. Like, oh, I'm out of my phone. And I'm back in the moment. Right. Like they're that I'm that person. Right. But, you know, I love that you sort of codified the audience and like, Hey, when you're not in the scene, we still want you to like sort of be participating in the scene, just in this very tertiary way. Was that something that came from like the rip that you wanted to include? Like, is that something also that you're feeling when you, cause you come from like sort of a trad adventure background as yeah. well. Was the audience on purpose? Did it come yeah. at like the later stages of design? Was that the earlier stages of design? It, it was an earlier stage of design and like that I credit where it's credits due. I told, I it's totally ripped off from Brendan Leon Gambetta's Passion de la Las Passions where they have like some audience questions in there. I'm like, you know what? That's that really, that feels emblematic because that also being a game that emulates telenovelas and like, I'm like this, we're, you're playing at a TV show in mm. Volley Boys. And like, so like when you're not in the scene, you're watching and like in the show Haikyuu in the, in the main touchstone of the game, like when somebody's not on the court, they're on the sidelines and they're cheering on or they're like really mollified by like what's happening or like just like gripping their face like in, t- in like anxiety and things like that. And like they're watching and engaging. And I wanted to involve that. And also a lot of what you said, because I've I've had like I've had games where people are just hanging out on the side. I, I was in one 5e game. Where some dude, like, as soon as he wasn't, in, his character wasn't in a scene, he would just, like, start watching Twitch streams on his phone, but, like, with the mic on. And, like, it was the it was the worst thing. And then he would come back and be like, okay, catch me up on the scene that just happened. I'm like, so it's like, it's not even like you, where it's like, you can just roll back in. He would break the pacing even more for the people that were involved in that scene. And I'm, I'm just like, I kind of hate that. So, like, so this is, like, a bit of a carrot and stick of, like no, there's a reason for you to pay attention. There's like a mechanic to engage with here. So like, if you're not paying attention, then you can't engage with this mechanic as well. But also mm-hmm. like, because it fits with the whole like sort of diegetic of playing out a show and like being on, maybe not being, maybe being in the background of a scene, your character's in the background of the scene, but not necessarily the, the spotlight of it. And I just like getting players that aren't, in that spotlight involved is something that I think is there's a lot more space that we can explore to mm-hmm. because not everybody needs to be spotlighted in every scene. Like sometimes you do want to focus on these two characters that are having this moment, but then you also don't want to have players just kind of checking out because people, people have carved out time of their day. Like they've carved out these three, four hours of their day to play this game. And mm-hmm. like, if they are just kind of sitting there for, who knows, maybe up to half the time, not involved in actual play. That kind of sucks because you've scheduled out this time in your day. And like, you can, it like some folks of that group may feel like it was time wasted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, I think a perfect example of that on a mainstream level is critical role. Like some Mm -hmm. of those like two person, three person scenes go on for like 45 minutes, sometimes Mm -hmm. a little longer. And like, that's a lot of time to just be hanging out there, you know, yep. and they love it. Like they're all friends, but yeah. in a, in a practical at home game, maybe yeah. there's like a 50, 50 chance that's happening. And even among um, friends, like there's those days, like when you're just not in the mood to just be yeah. sitting around, like it's, it's a day to day thing and like moment to moment. Yeah. 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 I think the audience thing is so fascinating and it really like sparks me as a, as a designer, in that how can I 
how can I codify things that allow people to keep the engagement going? Maybe not at like a heightened level, like being mm-hmm. in the scene or having their own climax, mm-hmm. but how can they assist with the climax so that it, and I think, I think we've seen variations of this in that when, you know, like devil's bargains in mm-hmm. blades in the dark is yeah, an example exactly. of this, right? That's still like an audience participation thing, mm-hmm. but it's super optional. So I'm thinking yeah. about things that are much more like concrete to the benefit of all the players, right? Rather than just like when you think, when you can think of a good idea, like having those mm-hmm. sort of hand holdings or scaffoldings to let people engage with that. I think the audience stuff is, is a triumph and it's really smart. And also credit where credit's due. Brandon yeah. Leon Gambetta, come on, come on the goddamn show. Okay. You hear me? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's book this thing. Let me, let me just add Brandon right now. <laughs> <laughs> just real fast live. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do we do it? Hold on, I'm actually. I might actually do it. <laughs> and like, I don't know if you want to keep this, but Brandon does run a really good masks game, and like sometimes put, we'll put out open invites for Protean City. I I was on it with Alex and Simon. Great time. Ah, I do want to be on that. Where is Brandon? Brandon live. Brandon Leon Gambetta tweeting. <laughs> No one will hear this episode for like weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Just zero context. This is yeah. Get my Twitter up. Be the first person to like. Tweet. Tweet this man. Whoops. I need to also at you. And like Passion's big release is coming is coming up, I'm pretty sure. So good time. Boom. Send. Live live send. <laughs> I know he listens to the show, so there's a yeah. good chance. Man, Brandon Leon getting better. Yeah, the BLM. But yeah, I think the audience stuff is is wicked cool. And even in like a trad adventure thing, I see it like the other players could be the dungeon. The other players could be like mo- like reframing the terrible inspiration mechanic to actually be like almost a devil's bargain thing, but in the positive way for the other players who might like split the party for like a good reason, right? Like think about like, use a bond from someone mm-hmm. that is like miles across from you or in another city. And like, Oh, there's just some cool, cool unexplored tech there. I think not explored, but un, uh, 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 morphed mm-hmm. made. There's a word. There's someone comment review. <laughs> just tell me you'll figure it out. There's a call to action. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> fucking CTA comment. Don't join my Patreon, just comment. Always split the party. That's, I, I hate always that GM advice. I hate, always like, split the party. never split the party. No, or like that player advice, I guess. Always just yeah. split the party. If they if they wanted to be joined at the hip, they should have been joined at the hip. Like, yep. They're individual characters. They can go do their own things. Yeah, autonomy, dude. Yes. Fucking, it reminds me of a meme of like, it's the, it's the fucking 
template meme of like the crow and the pigeon. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it's like the pigeon is this little like sweet, innocent thing. And the crow is like this overbearing character in the comic. And it's like, all right, the pigeon's the warlock and the crow is the rogue. And so everyone, the DM's like, everyone goes to sleep. The pigeon wakes up and goes, all right, I want to get up and like go off at the edge of the forest and talk to my patron. Crow immediately screams, I wasn't sleeping the entire time. I wake up. I drag the warlock back to bed. And the pigeon's just like, Oh, that's the worst. (laughs) It's the, it's the, I hope everyone can like handle that yelling. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. But I wanted to make the crow a real character. Yes. (laughs) Anyways, back to Volley Boys. Yes. So you have, you've been working on two volleyball games, essentially a competitive version. And, you know, we don't have to get into, Mm -hmm. into the other one, but what I, what I want to ask is, was there a point these two games were won? And when did you, was there like a decoupling that happened? Or did you always have like the idea of one will be very narrative focused? The other will be very like high octane competitive energy. Right. And for the folks at home who do not know, who are not of like six people in the planet, I, I had a, I initially, I started with another game that's currently still a work in progress, Nice Kill, which is like, has nice become, it's, it's playing out more of the volleyball action. If you, if you want less of the, the character drama, if you want less of that, like the character juice and you want more of just like hitting balls and like really blocking and like yelling, just screaming at each other. Like I fucking got you <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> uh, if you want more of that, there's this game will hopefully come out soon and it's more like playing about you're actually you're you actually are playing for the points on the court you're playing for momentum and that's where i started and i found volley boys sort of came out after because i i finally started i finally read a no dice no masters game i read orbital which is uh sort of a riff on no dice no masters and i I got really inspired because i felt like it was really a lot of those tools felt they just like really clicked with my brain. I'm like, I had some of these like character t- character stuff in, in uh, nice kill, but they weren't super fleshed out. They were there. They were, they, they definitely support the mechanics of that more, that more sport play, but they weren't the focus or anything. And I, I was doing a rewatch of Haikyuu and I was like, okay, I've kind of seen all these sport, all these like actual court moments and there, there's like a couple highlights that like will always hit really hard. But for the most part, I'm on rewatches. I'm mostly here for the character interactions. I'm mostly here to watch, to watch this boy break a broom because he's so mad. His friend is upset at him. <laughs> I'm mad that you're mad. Yeah. And neither of us are going to stop being mad till the other one stops being mad. What a beautiful relationship, truly. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and there there definitely is a lot of that there's some of that character juice because there's like these character interactions that happen on the court in in the scope of play but i did feel like i i kind of just ripped ripped a bunch of that out or not even ripped out but i just ripped off and made volley boys with that but the that i still hope to incorporate that because as like as much as volley boys is character focused there is still the the sport component and you need that catalyst to to cue up those those character scenes. That's why there's like the next time on mechanics where like no, you just you lose a game, you win a game, and like you just mm-hmm. check off those boxes because those those set up those scenes for that character drama. And the way in reverse in Nice Kill, the character relationships set up these plays and like so 
the when you have two characters that are like when you have a character I'll pull up the nice kill work in progress real quick <laughs> yeah when you when you have a character that is spiteful playing they they're playing in a way that like where the mo because they they're they're playing every point that the other team is ahead of you. You they they are more motivated out of spite to do better, but then they also are not playing as well with their other teammates because they they're just focused on the other team. They're just focused on the score. They're not really focused on cooperating. They're they're very much like that bulldog character in high Q. They're just <laughs> like they're lone wolf. They're not being a team player while they are like crushing it in this this very narrow scope. They're not being a great team player. So in the long run, it's not great. And that character dynamic pl- feeds into the plan, like making moves to like spike the ball or block and things like that. So there is a back and forth. And like while it, in Volleyboys, it's a lot more character centric, and in Nice Kill, it's a lot more sports centric. Neither neither can do without the other. I think it's just where the balance lies between. Do you do you envision a version of because what's sounding interesting to me and mm-hmm. you know feel free to have this idea for free, but it sounds like there's a potential for like how blades in the dark has a mission phase and a downtime phase. Mm -hmm. I know that you have subtly have both workings of character narrative and like a court narrative Mm -hmm. it built into both games, just at different intensities. Mm -hmm. There seems to be also like a couple, like though they're decoupled, you could also maybe potentially recouple them And play out like, I think it'd be so fascinating to watch like an actual play where it's like two or three episodes of Volley Boys Mm -hmm. where you're sort of like doing character build up. Maybe you opt out of doing any like game related Mm -hmm. prompts. And then, like, you go to game day and you play like sessions of Nice Kill. And you could also do like different teams. The only reason I'm thinking about this is because mm-hmm. I talked with Chloe Fulminata who wrote Our Minerva. Oh, and yeah. in Our Minerva, you basically build a team of three demigods mm-hmm. and they do some sort of like sport activity mm-hmm. while slowly reminiscing about the childhood they never had. Yeah. And what's fascinating about the character creation, how the character keeper is built in mm-hmm. that game is that every single player has three demigods that they're responsible for. And so two players will be operating a troop of characters together in like a competition. And the game is structured in such a way that like you could do character creation for yourself, build a team of three and then go to someone's house and play our Minerva and have never had these two teams interact before that session. Mm -hmm. So I totally imagined a version where like you could do a buildup of these sport characters, bring your own team to, or bring your own, like (laughs) I would, it'd be totally cool to see like a three V three of, you know, you have individual it's, it's like watching fucking Neko, uh, Nekoma and, yeah, Corsano, yeah. like, watching individual streams happen on the Volley Boys level yeah. and then have the streams come together on the nice kill mm-hmm. level and play each other. That'd be fucking 
I'm hyped. I'm hyped no, and it yeah. doesn't exist, but I would love for it to happen. That's that's uh, absolutely like the intention, like pie in the sky. Like uh, yes. indie punk bastard Vaditya Valetti. I don't I don't is is he indie <laughs> or punk anymore? I don't know. Debatable. Always bastard. <laughs> but he he initially like when I pitched him uh volleyboys, he's like, Is this is this your what is it is this your firebrands? Like there's two firebrands. There's the their narrative, like pick questions one, and then there's like the grid based mech combat one. Mm-hmm. There's is it like that relationship? I'm like I'm like yes yes it is. <laughs> that, <laughs> thank you for that and yeah and like Nekoma like e- what's it every every season after after season one there's like two or three episodes just of mm-hmm. Nekoma and you never see you never see the Karasuno boys and I love that so like you different players coming together like with their teams and like sort of interacting on that level I do mm-hmm. I do love that and I have a couple of ideas for that kind of stuff I have a different game or a different pair of games that are like related in that same way where mm-hmm. I would love to bring it to print and I would love for like it, the first half of the book to be one game. And then you literally like flip the book one one eighty vertically. And then you have this other related game. So it's just the two games and the one, the one booklet and they're related, but you just, you're flipping back and forth as you're playing these two different games. That'd be so, what would you, would you, was that like a, a modal game? Is that like what you would call that? I I do not know. I know there's like no, novels that have tried to do that. And I've never read any of them, but it's always seemed like a cool idea. I'm using like a Magic the Gathering card game term. It's like modal cards are the ones that are double-faced. So you flip them over and they're a different card. Oh. So I think, oh, it's so fascinating to have a game like that. Like how, like what, what would D&D be like if there was the combat simulator on Mm -hmm. one side and then there is like a good narrative game that still like fits within the same theme setting Mm -hmm. elements. And then you just kind of like when you feel the time is right, swapping Mm -hmm. between those two things. Cause that's what regular D and D has is kind of is right now. It's like there's combat and then there's not combat. That's the game. That's like the loop, right? Cause as much as people say that combat is RP, nobody's really having this long drawn out discussions during RP as much as they claim to be and like to like, it's just, I roll my dice and I hit and like I go and like, maybe they'll yell out like some, some good one liners, but really that's (laughs) not the character. So they're they're in DD. There is this break of combat and character role play and like, yeah, just mechanically break those out. Yeah. It would be so fascinating. Honestly. I mean, dimension 20 sort of does this with their regular season of shows in that one episode is role play and one episode is combat. They break them up into episodes for people to digest in those manners. And I think that I already thought that was really smart, but now with you, like you've presented this idea to me for what might be the first, like I've, I've been exposed obviously to like phased games Mm -hmm. But to engage in like two different games mm-hmm. that are designed to interact with each other when you when you see fit, like when game day comes, we're doing nice kill. Everyone be ready. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, ah, because like, even, even as much as Firebrands, what's it? Firebrands Mobile Zero and then Firebrands, yeah, Mobile Frame Zero. And then. I can't remember the other Firebrands games as much as they are related and you could like interact with them that way. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody actually sort of jumping in instead of doing the combat of the, the story focus game jumping over to like Lego grid 
Lego mech grids for the combat <laughs> stuff, which would be cool. And I never hear people do for, for volleyboys just to get sort of back into yeah. that, into that lane of thinking. So this is, this sort of came outside of after the effect of nice kill and it's sort of like a decoupling of really strengthening the thematics of those games. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is more of a question for you as a designer, you've made quite a few products so far, or mm-hmm. also that you're working on quite a few products. Oh, yeah. What is sort of like, not only to make your own space in terms of your identity, but like mm-hmm. what is, what do you, what do you aim to create every time you sell to like, what do you, what do you look for to capture? Cause you talk about character juice. You talk yeah. about how, like you said it a couple times and, and, and it seems like it's something you love about characters. And I know that you had a lot of fun playing Passion de las Passiones with mm-hmm. the other all nerds crew. What, like what makes you, design the designs you're doing like what are your design principles i guess is like at current what are your like top three design principles when you're designing these games i mean the things i really aim for are like really trying trying to inject the most drama into any situation through the game either Mm -hmm. either be that through like presenting these narrative prompts or through mechanics and like what I think is dramatic may not everybody think is dramatic. I think resource resource tracking is dramatic. I that's become like a meme of mine, like for folks who know me. But I do like there's like this tension of like like that scene in Aliens, like when they've they're watching the ammo, ammo canners go down. They're literally just looking at the screen, watching numbers go down. But you know, like this me like those numbers are are like the difference between them living and them dying, mm-hmm. and like. People, people say like they hate like tracking water and, and like food and stuff, but like in a survival game, that's what you need. That's like the tension there and tension is drama in a lot of cases, but like there's also, I also want to match that drama with the fiction and with the packaging. I don't want to, I have not played Ryutama myself, Mm -hmm. but I know some folks who have, who have gripes that like it's presented as this very, this light and fanciful, like, uh, like sort of traveling drama that's, and then they get bogged down by tracking water and things like that, where it's like, that's not really the, the fantasy or the fiction that they want to engage with. So like, there's that, there's this balance of like, of balancing like dramatic sort or matching the drama to the packaging and like sort of making sure that like, they're all presented really clearly. I don't want to have somebody, I don't want to, I don't want to throw volleyballs at somebody and say like, this is going to be hardcore. This is going to be like super intense mechanics. You're going to have to do like stoichiometry to figure out your success rates. And I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, like, chemistry was awful for me. In high school. So Deep Kevin brain just then. Yeah. <laughs> And like, there's, yeah, like I want, I want games to be like a lot more, I I guess I want them to be focused in both the, the drama and the fiction they present and the mechanics and like making sure that both of those sort of meet the expectation of the, 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 the people buying into the game or like coming into the game to play, because I don't want, I want, like, while I want things to be like sort of idiosyncratic to my tastes, I don't want anybody to be like th- at least super thrown off by like what's there. I don't, I don't want it to feel like random. 
like just I don't want things to feel like they're thrown in just to be thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. It sounds like there's a lot of. Do you think that as you're building games like Volley Boys mm-hmm. out, as opposed to Nice Kill, which is mm-hmm. probably a little bit more uh, a little crunchier? Yeah. I'm making assumptions. I've not seen the game, but um, <laughs> did you want to play test? Yes, I will fuck. I'll spike some kids. Hello, <laughs> Vid. I'm calling you out, Rue. Where are you at? I will dunk Nevin. Hello. The first uh, playtest that I have like coming up, I will get you in there. Put me in, Coach. I just need a juice box. It, it seems, yeah, I'm like 12 years old, ripped abs. Seems like there is a search for. tension and really grabbing the high highs Mm -hmm. and the low lows of a narrative right instead of like the i don't want to say middling middling is not the right Mm -hmm. word more like this i think a lot of people try to capture like the meandering ebb and flow of Mm -hmm. high and low tension in the sense of like if we're we're talking a scale one to ten everyone tries to stay within a three negative three range and like then they one time will hit like an eight and then another time they'll hit a negative six whereas it sounds like for you you're trying to capture the you're trying to widen the waveform Mm -hmm. like stretch it out and then it sounds like you're trying to bounce back from like eight to negative seven to five to like negative ten to ten to like and you're like trying to find those or extrapolate or distill those moments in drama to to make that the focus, right? To make the drama the focus and the character growth rather than anything else that could be sort of like secondary or tertiary around that. And, re, you know, as you memed, but also it's true, like running low on spell slots, low health, you're running out of arrows, you're still like seven levels deep inside of the dungeon of the Mad Mage, like... Mm-hmm. Where are you getting more arrows, bro? All of your yeah. bow skills are dunzos. Like, how are you casting more spells for the day? Are you going to take a long rest when you didn't clear out the last passage? Like, those. Do you have the rations for that long rest? Are you, are you eating? <laughs> <laughs> so many times. It makes me. You've immediately maybe recontextualized like what it means to do food in D and D, and I don't think D and D cares about food to be honest. But like, it doesn't. Yeah. If you're dungeon crawling, are you able to like be out there for a week until you get create food and water? You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like if you and want to be gritty. Have have you engaged with the like the really old adventure game, a NetHack? No. All. It's Dan Phipps's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like food is like the most important resource in that. Like you the most common like way players die is starving because like they are so many levels deep they're using their their energy to like fight and cast spells and things and like no you have you you might be lucky enough to find some cat food or you just gotta go and eat a eat a gnome you just gotta like you gotta do what you gotta do and like that's the that's the crux of that like to that pair game that i want to have the the modal game that you had dubbed it sort of like as food being really important and that's like a really popular manga right now a dungeon meshi or like I can't remember the English name, but Dungeon Meshi. It's like, no, like food is important. Like food is part of your like life in norm mm-hmm. in any non-adventuring circumstance. Why is it excluded otherwise? And like just like considering those kinds of things, like 
I, especially because I love food in general. So incorporating <laughs> that stuff into the adventuring day, but in a way that's not necessarily like just because you have food in a game doesn't mean it has to be like Ghibli esque and lighthearted and mm-hmm. things like that. Like the way some uh, some products, specifically like Five E products, will like have you believe you can you can have like food re- be a resource and not be baking bread and. Mm-hmm. Like, Literally eating grass, dude. What is that? What is that anime slash manga? Made in Abyss, right? She she eats some. Have you ever have you ever watched or read it? I have not. I, oh, dude, dude, low key, maybe missing out. High resource management game, <laughs> oh, really? but or not game, but show. But um, she eats some crazy shit just to live, man. Like she is not afraid to like dive into some. I was like, I've never seen this before. W- wonder what it tastes like because <laughs> I don't have a choice. Wonder if it's poisonous or not. Let's just go in because exactly. I'm going to die anyway. So she she literally says like sometimes she's like you know what I have some really good like what are like the abyss the dungeon or the mm-hmm. big hole that they go in like sometimes she's like you know what I know some methods about getting rid of poison but honestly it's a crapshoot at the end of the day the deeper we go down here so yeah, yeah it's it's crazy but those moments are still good because she's an awesome cook she figures out how to cook these goddamn six-armed slug things and like you know it's still a part of the story I think I think what I'm picking up from you yeah. and I think what I'm also trying to say is that there are some unexpected Lords, like I think there's some romanticism about the adventure lifestyle that people get from D and D. This isn't just about D and D. I think when it comes when we think about like crunch things, like you, you have to track rations. Oh, yeah. this is like a survival horror game. Like, or it could still be your epic adventure game. You just don't have the resources to be eaten all the time, so you gotta yeah. bring the rations. And if you run out you gotta go home. <laughs> you can't be out all day. Or and like that breath of the wild, like this pretty mm-hmm. lighthearted aesthetically and everything. But like at the end of the day to get those hearts back, you gotta eat, you gotta mm-hmm. like go, you gotta go hunt something down, get some, get some food or like find some peppers, go cook them over fire and eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't need to be like the super gritty thing. And like, depending on the way you, you package and pitch the game, it doesn't need to be super involved. Yeah. But, I think I think there's room for a lot of this stuff that's not really that's like sort of passed over in tradi- in like traditional games, especially like the the big two like D and D and Pathfinder for fantasy yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think there is there's tension and resource for sure. And you're like with the token system for no dice, no masters, like that. That seems like a thing. Was this also influenced in any part by I don't know if you've read it, but Galactic Two E because I saw that you have the fundamental moves that do shared tokens, which is what I, in my interview with Riley, uh, Riley mentioned, I've not read the original No Dice, No Masters stuff, but I have played uh, Sleepaway with Max V, who's been on the show. And one of the things that I didn't necessarily like about sleep away where the neutral moves like they didn't give you anything they didn't take anything away from you and that's fine but it's like that that doesn't engage the game yeah i that's guess more informative of your character rather than engaging right but, right 
And so in, in Galactic 2E, Riley has given the playbooks these abilities that share tokens between characters instead of just being strong and weak moves that take and give. Uh, you can also pass along tokens to other players. So like, have you read that? Or, or is this just like another like, you know, it's that thing of like <laughs> someone else, there's a million a yeah, million like people i'm an idiot <laughs> there is more than seven billion people in the world someone's bound to think of the thing that you're thinking of yeah, so like no original you... ideas that kind of thing. yeah yeah i i happened to come upon it myself and then i pitched it to nevin and viditya and they're like oh yeah galactic 2e does this so it's like and then i looked at that and i was like okay so there there is legs to this idea whereas before that it was just like what if you could mm-hmm. just like give and take tokens like as a like sort of fund- fundamental move or like trade tokens in that way and so it was, it was, I didn't read Galactic 2E before coming up with the idea, but it was nice seeing that validation that like mm-hmm. somebody, like clearly there's somebody else came up with the idea and then like they thought it was good enough to include in their games. Like this is something I can pursue. Not all, not all of my fundamental moves are like that. It's just one move for a playbook because yeah. I honestly just didn't, I couldn't think of more. <laughs> <laughs> I was already and I already made all those other moves before getting to that idea. I'm like, these are these are actually pretty good though, so I'm not going to throw them out. <laughs> so I'll, just, I'll put a cherry on top of including this this like new new mechanical kind of move. So yeah, we just, we both like arrived at the same point. It's like it's mm-hmm. cool. It's cool to know that we both arrived to that point through separate paths, and that you saw a similar pain point too in No Dice No Masters of like, you know these these don't really like do anything. These don't really do anything. They help, like, maybe guide some improv choices, yeah. but that's not engaging the... and Right? You're not, like, turning on the car, I guess, mm-hmm. is would be my best analogy. What What was probably... What are the, what's the thing you're proudest about when it comes to Volley Boys? Like, it could be a piece of design or something like that, or, or you know, how do you feel about it? I think... Take your time. Yeah, just scrolling through my own game real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Releases it, wipes it from memory. <laughs> I need room for all the other ideas. Yeah. I'm only using ten percent, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm I'm really proud that I was that I I distilled a lot of these like greater archetypes of like sports anime into these playbooks mm-hmm. because and I I think I did them really well in like that they are evocative. They're both evocative, but they're not like they aren't they aren't so tight that like there's no room for people to to make their own make it their own character because then there's that risk of like being too narrowly focused in playbooks that like there's it feels like everybody is playing the same character mm-hmm. like it, it like every every fucking what the hell are they called a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What's that? What's the... Every every swashbuckling rogue in 5e feels like every other swashbuckling rogue in 5e. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. Whereas I think I I made them like I think I made these playbooks sort of evocative enough that you know exactly what kind of a character you're playing. But like I think I think there's there's not much chance that unless you are ex- unless you are specifically trying to emulate the character from Haikyuu that it's mostly based on that two playbook two players with the same playbook would make the same character. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I'm really proud of that. Then sort of like bal- that balance of like sort of emulation versus sort of freedom like giving boundaries so that you're not feeling kind of lost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but also like having them be got good guides yeah yeah i i agree i think that it's fun i the little asterisk at the bottom of the genius is funny hey if you read it if you buy the game you'll know what we're talking about right so <laughs> go go give them the ten dollars but yeah i think that definitely it like in 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 D and D again, I try to aim to not make this channel a D and D dunk channel. So yeah. that you know, not my but intent. It, it is like it, the biggest fucking yeah. thing in the room. It's it's if anyone were coming to listen to this, there's a good chance that using these to like compare to if someone mm-hmm. else is looking for a game out there. But mm-hmm. it's like you say, a, a swashbuckler rogue is the same as another swashbuckler rogue. You're gonna you're gonna focus on dexterity or whatever have you. You're going to bail out your constitution because you're going to be melee. Like, and, you know, people who I think I think there's also an interesting conversation of like, yeah, well, I built my swashbuckler rogue to be a strength swashbuckler. I just use a finesse weapon. I was like, you're still kind of doing the same thing. You're just you're just trying to say that you put it in a different stat or like I didn't make decks my highest because I want a clumsy swashbuckler rogue. Cool. Then you're choosing to play the game suboptimally, which I guess is fine for your table, but that's not like playing the game, right? Like yeah. the game's not structured or built for you to do that. And you're just doing it out of defiance. So maybe there's something else you want to play. And really the thing that changes it is the layer on top of your original character concept right the thing that's different is my tiefling swashbuckler rogue versus my halfling swashbuckler rogue right like Mm -hmm. those those are the differentiating parts but that's on the player's leverage and so i think what's what's great about what you've done here is that 
You know, in again, this is going to be a high Q reference, so this is hard because for someone, this is a non like inclusive <laughs> example. Right. But like, oh shit, what is his name? Alba? No, that's the school's name. Yeah, you think what's like? Mikawa? Is that is that a Kageyama's like look up mentor rival yes. person from mm-hmm. Alba? Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so they're both the geniuses. Mm-hmm. Like, there's different they're truly different geniuses though in different in different ways Mm -hmm. they're both great setters one has like a disgusting spike but the other has like a really reliable teammate so like the way that they engage being a genius Mm -hmm. is wildly different because it has so much different dynamic when it's in reference to the environment and the story on the court so i think you've done a really good job in allowing for that to happen there's no like better way to put i was like is there a more refined term to say this no i think it's really interesting that you've provided those that so many different ways to like build out it's not also just in like building the character it's also about in like what prompts you Mm -hmm. choose to engage with all the time right like because different players will have different like sort of ones they'll lean harder on exactly exactly because not every genius may lean on like going asking a rival like what can you teach me yeah, like some yeah. some geniuses like would just be like, no, I can do this on my fucking. Own. I can fucking teach myself. What do yeah. you mean? <laughs> what can I teach what, myself? What else is there left to learn? Yeah, I think I think it's about being dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of ugh, I'm like having a brain blast right now. A lot of D and D is static after creation, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're locked into being a rogue. And then the next dynamic choice, the final dynamic choice you get to make is your subclass. Now, someone might argue is like, well, what about feats or ability score increases? Those don't really like change the identity of the mechanisms that you're engaging with when it comes to the game. Whereas like in this, the very popular ones that most people will pick because they're the most mechanically optimized. Correct. Whereas in this, like you've, it's more of a narrative base that says like, you can, you can change and drive your character based on the choices you make. Like, like you, like we just said, the prompt of like, Hey, what can you teach me? Like, I'm not that type of genius does. What the fuck is his name again? Wakaya? Wakayu? Wiyaka? Yeah. Oikawa, Jesus Christ, it is an O. I was like, where did W come from? He doesn't ask to learn from anybody. He doesn't give a shit. He's like, I'm just going to get good, dude. (laughs) Whereas Kageyama's like, you know what? I'm going to swallow my pride and ask everyone, like, how can I improve, right? The the Mia twins and fucking Mm -hmm. uh, Oikawa in of of himself, right? Mm -hmm. And even in some cases, Suga, like Suga also teaches Mm -hmm. him some stuff, where he's like, that's just not Oyakawa's way. In fact, he brings out the good in other people, and that's his genius way, right? Whereas Kageyama is trying to self-improve. So, they're just so different, and you've executed that that beautifully. I just love, I love this concept now that I'm thinking about, like, what is dynamic character growth? Like, what does that look like in a trad adventure space, right? Because that's my focus of of Mm -hmm. design. So, Great. Wow. Powerful. And that's why I make the show. It's selfish for me to learn. (laughs) There's no like no online course guru of like how to design a tabletop game. Maybe that'll be me one day, but maybe not. So I'm glad to have gurus like you on the show, Kevin. 
Yeah, you see how I slipped that in? You see that little compliment there? You like that? And I'm, I'm finding my hardest not to not to not to be self-deprecating response. <laughs> no, the classic Kevin. Yeah. No, I, I want I want all the love. Great. I think. Oh, one last thing. I guess I want to talk about Volley Boys just as a design thing. The magazine articles at the end that you yeah. did for other people's games. I would love to like why why did you do that i i i actually did not do these i asked i approached i approached some folks i approached well first myself <laughs> approached, look out uh, for nice kill yeah. <laughs> i approached charu patel and viditia valetti and nevin holmes i asked them amongst a, a couple of folks i asked you jeremy but you didn't weren't able to participate. i have no game yeah. um, i didn't want to participate i don't like kevin <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I asked some folks to to make if they were interested in making ads for their either current or upcoming projects, and I I I came to that because I was reading like for the first time in a long time I was reading a book and it was just like a traditional fantasy novel, and at the end it was just like the publishers advertising a bunch of other like books from from their from their catalog and like a little preview of a different game or a different book at the end. I was like, that's really neat. Why don't why don't like tabletop games do that, especially in the indie space, especially like in PDFs where it doesn't cost mm-hmm. us more to put more pages in a PDF. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just kind of threw that out there because I want to like put, I want to put my, my friends voices out there and like put their work out there and I will support them. And like, this is a really easy way. Just like throwing people like, if you like this, maybe you'll like my friends, other stuff in this way. And also like sort of that very nineties PlayStation game informer. Yeah. Kind of way. I, I, I was very, tempted to like put the the ads like like throughout the middle of the book like between playbooks and stuff Mm -hmm. but i thought like that might be too disruptive for like play Mm -hmm. play. and so i just put them at the end in that initial like sort of novel model and i just i think i think we should like be promoting other people's work beyond just like shout out on twitter which is great which is like I, i mean of course it's always really helpful because twitter is a huge marketplace and where a lot of folks audiences are but like twitter is not the uh, end-all be-all of our audiences especially mm-hmm. in the game design space like and i don't know how to promote other people's games on itch great yeah i think truly groundbreak like I know it exists in other industries and other mediums, but I truly think this is like some groundbreaking stuff here. Just like, I don't know. I'm not privy to a lot of stuff. And I'm, I was, this is such a, I think this is such a beautiful and great idea because one, you can let people do a little bit extra creative oomph and design their own magazine ad. Right. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are in the back of the book here are very cool. Um, I love, I love Ruse. Everyone is prem. Like she, she kind of like let me in on me and a couple other folks in on her process as she was designing it, like showing the initial reference of the Bollywood movie poster that she was basing it on. And like sort of the, like a couple different iterations with different texts and things like that. I love this ad so much. It looks, it looks amazing to me. It's Oh man, it's like, it's, I think what a, what a beautiful, and this, you know, we could apply this in a bunch of different business models, right? Like if we talk about something as large as exalted funeral or evil hat productions or, or whatever, right? Like they could definitely like, what if blades in the dark in like the back of the, in the back of the PDF or the front of the PDF, I think this would be, 
just thinking of like an entrepreneurial marketing mindset, these should be like in the front of the book. Cause every time they open the PDF, they'll scroll, they'll scroll through these. Whereas like, if it's at the end, they'll probably never see these again, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and that's right. That's not for you. That's for like oh, anyone yeah. else who thinks about doing this. You do it your own goddamn way. If you want to put it in the middle of the book, also cool. But you know, what if like blades in the dark had a little at like, I can't tell you, I've only looked at like other Forge in the Dark products link on the site maybe three times over the course of me knowing it exists. Whereas like, what if I opened the book every time and was reminded that like Scum and Villainy exists or Band of Blades exists, right? Like if I'm looking for something different, these games are out there. Mm -hmm. And not just in like the print version, but the PDF version. And like the PDF version could be updated every once in a while with new ad space. And, you know, capitalism here, like my poisoned mind, but also like you could change up your ads every once in a while on a PDF. People Mm -hmm. like I see a lot of like coming soon's on here. But like when those games come out, those coming soon's could change into actual like, hey, this game is out and found here, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Your PDF form could just be a a clickable hyperlink straight to the, the itch page. Yeah. Yes, Kevin. Yes. And so just as like a finishing nugget of this, I think it's such a, and it's so nostalgic too. like what you're talking about, the PlayStation magazines, like that's the first thing I thought of when I saw this is like all these clips for like different Square Enix games that are coming out. You know, the newest Final Fantasy VIII is being released and and like the new Metal Gear Solid and fucking Ratchet and Clank, like all those, all of those games I have like solid memories of walking through a Walmart, picking up the magazine, the PlayStation magazine, just riffing through the f- and stealing the free CD that was inside. <laughs> you monster. <laughs> I was eight, dude. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't have any morals when you're eight years old. You just do what you want. You're a scientist. Um, but... <laughs> I think it's amazing. It's so cool and can also have like very cool resonant. Like if you were to form your own, like, like the, 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 what is it? What are they called? Moon rat, moon mouse, the moon mouse conspiracy, the moon rat conspiracy. I'm not familiar with this. They're like a game design troupe that like doesn't really heavily publicize themselves, but you'll know they're in a game because they, they say whenever you credit us in a game, put a little mouse icon next to us and so like if it shows up you know that one of them had a had a part to do in the game and so what wouldn't it be cool if like those were all linked together and like some like why doesn't our indie tabletop zine culture not adopt this already like they are magazines right and i know that like some people are like that's not what the culture is about it's not about the capitalism it's about going underneath the capitalism but it's like i don't know this is a beautiful way to do it this is a beautiful way to do it, to be like, I really like these people. I think they have really cool games. Mm-hmm. I want you to know about them. And you may not be on Twitter. You may not be on itch, but you may really like volleyball. Got my game. Now, you know, these other four games exist. It's not like, and I didn't like sort of speed to that capitalism thing. I did. I didn't come up to these people and say like, Hey, I've got ad space. You want to buy ad space? I'm right. like, no, I, like you are cool people. I know you, I know y'all really well. And I like your games and your games have influenced me. And I want to help like sort of, return the favor by having you do more work and give it to me <laughs> <laughs> on a oh, deadline. But like, go ahead. 
No, you could go ahead. I was just, I was going to say like, this is also like maybe an even better way to do like the inspirations section of, Mm -hmm. I mean, increases your page count. So maybe only PDFs, but like, this would be such a cool way to do like, you know, this game was inspired by these other games. Here they are in like the back of the book as far Mm -hmm. as like their covers or something. Right. I don't know what intellectual property permissions you need for something like that but yeah i just think i think it's cool i think it's a really cool visual medium to and really engaging to get people to explore other titles mm-hmm. more Good so job, than Kevin. like the touchstone like as i always include my touchstones and things like that and like sort of inspirations and people i credit but like it's a it's a little bit more engaging than just having like that that like third page in your, in your zine or your book of Mm -hmm. just like a wall of text that like kind of like, even for me having done them, it kind of reads as like the legal text at the beginning of any paperback. I kind of just like, Oh, that's that page that I always see. I kind of just like, let me get to this. And also like, what if you did a cool, like collage thing for your touchstones of like, just grabbing little Pete again, intellectual property stuff, right? (laughs) you know, if your game has a bunch of like novel references and movie references, like what if you just had a collage page that had those movie posters or book covers? Like, you know, I'm not the person who's going to like read or watch every touchstone this game is based on. Mm -hmm. And I guess I could look them up myself, but like how cool would it be for someone who's new to the game to look through, see that page and be like, Oh, I'm now getting a really good idea of like the, the atmosphere of Mm -hmm. what this game wants me to do. Right. Like when I engage with it. So I think, I think some visual stuff to do in, in books in that way could be really cool. And as far as I'm concerned, you're the pioneer of it. Never seen anyone else who's done it on a, on an indie level. So I I will accept that title because I have not (laughs) seen it done anywhere else. Hell yeah. Even within publishers, like, like you were saying, like evil hat could easily, Mm-hmm. like broadcast their own like other forces under dark games like so like you avoid intellectual property at all like i did i advertised my coming related nice kill game it's like it's simple easy straightforward yeah do it yeah how much does it cost you probably nothing it's probably the same cover you're going to use for the game and it's already done exactly so Trends, tips. I think we've we talked about a couple of, of trend things just like personally. But so in this section, I ask that in your you sort of like think about or analyze your social circles, your discord communities, your Twitter shit posts, your, you know, in intimate friend texts about the tabletop space. You know, are there any trends you love that you just want to like propagate and tell more people about, like get them out into the space are there trends that you're seeing that are maybe being detracted from the scene that you want to caution people against? Or are there trends within you that you would like to let someone run away with who's listening to this episode? I think more folks should find other people to play Mahjong with to pitch games. 
<laughs> as I, Jeremy, uh, Viditia, Valetti, and Ru Patel do, and often a lot of good ideas come out of those talks. Like really finding these social circles and like beyond just like passive Discord talks, like find an activity to do together that's like not super brain engaging that you can kind of chat over. Like that could be playing video games. I could be playing like Destiny or whatever, as I also do with some folks playing Mahjong, playing, I don't know, 3D chess if you're that smart. <laughs> but like finding yeah, these things that like kind of task switching. Yeah. And finding these things that kind of engage your brain on a low level so that you can still engage on a social level and like that, like kind of queue up ideas. I, I find a lot of my, a lot of really good ideas come out of when I'm just chatting with folks while doing another thing together whether that be watching a movie or anything like that. And then mm-hmm. shorter game jams on itch, I think would be cool. I think I, I, I participate in a lot in a couple of game jams. Some of my best games have come out of there so far. And I appreciate the long lead times because it gives you time to work on a thing. And like it, it's accommodating for all kinds of people's schedules. But I think there's also space in our, in our space, especially the itch space where a lot of these game jams I know of are being held for a lot tighter game jams or in which, because the tighter game jam is going to let some messier work come out and it's going to like constrain people not to put out as pretty a product and like a little bit more messy. And I think in having that tighter constraint, you get, so you get a little bit more creativity because you're not, because you, if you know, you don't have the time to make a thing pretty, you might push yourself to make it more unique in a way. I think. Mm Hmm. I'd like to see just more jams like that. I might not be able to participate them due to my schedule, but I'd like to see that become a secondary trend to like the 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 current game game jams trend that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't I've yet to participate in a game jam, and I definitely do have the time to do that. So maybe maybe that'll be my goal for next week is find a game jam to be part of. But when I was in two things. When I was in college, I went to both theater school and then I also went to culinary school. And some of the coolest moments were the ones that had the tightest time constraints. We had for the theater school, we had a uh, 24 hour or we, we like called it 24 hour was really a 48 hour theater project where at seven o'clock at night, we would uh, all be put into the theater faculty space. So it has all the classrooms. It has the stages. It has like the costume department and stuff. It's basically a big warehouse building that Mm -hmm. facilitates a lot of the the play. And we would arrive at like seven o'clock at night. We would be put into random teams of actors, directors, and writers. Writers would begin sort of crafting a play while they are crafting, we engage in mock auditions. So all the people who are selected as directors, typically seniors, and then juniors were screenwriters, and then a lot of the freshmen, sophomores were actors. And so the directors would like sit in a room and then all of us would bring monologues. I was a freshman at the time and we would engage in like these mock auditions. Then the directors would sort of like get one or two people they want to work with based on like some like vibes they were feeling. And then they would get like two or three others that would like be randomly selected and just kind of mix the pot a little bit. Then they would be paired with a screenwriter or excuse me, a not screenwriter, a uh, uh, playwright. And then 
the whole thing would begin at like midnight and everyone would be like reading lines and trying to like get everything to memory. And we would do that until about four or five in the morning. Then we would go to sleep until maybe like nine, like we would have five hours of sleep and then we'd wake up, do some, we would be locked in the theater as well, but we got supplied with food and stuff. The idea was like that we didn't want to like go out and do like not come back while other people were acting or whatever, like practicing that wouldn't be fair to like the rest of your team uh, to just be a (laughs) wall. So we're locked in there for a while. We, we do more stuff. Uh, during the day, this doors unlocked because other people still have classes. So <laughs> it's not like off limits, but we're putting the stuff together. And then seven o'clock the next day, we are performing. We have five performances back to back to back. Everyone can come and like watch a 24 hour project. And it was like very cool. And like I've been in things where like productions have taken six weeks of rehearsal and then just are not as good. And then in, in we would have like an Iron Chef thing at Colorado. So very long-winded story that has me talking more than I would actually like in this particular section. But I think there is something really cool about, like, pushing yourself time-wise and not in a crunch way, but in, like, this comes from, like, my productivity mind of what what could you have done in an hour if you said that you only had an hour versus mm-hmm. saying that, like, oh, I have an hour a hour today to write this whole paper or some right. or or something like that like i don't know how to phrase that, that that makes sense maybe i'm not communicating that well to the listener and I, I feel like you get me but yeah like putting putting restrictions on yourself so that you can find creative ways to work within those restrictions yes. it feels like yeah yes yeah, 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 yeah so yeah i totally agree like a shorter game jam like hey you have 48 hours join it do it mm-hmm. be done with it and like can like it's also faster on iteration it's faster on failing like you mm-hmm. i feel like you learn faster in that environment because you can put your ash can out there right ash can jam and just like put that stuff out there get people's feedback and then if you really liked that project Mm -hmm. you can work on it more after the jam it doesn't disappear yeah like focusing more on ideas as an end product for gms instead of like a product Mm -hmm. is i think what i really want and like this i sort of in retrospect, this is a lot like inspired by this one project I was lucky enough to work on that was inspired by a tweet Viditya made. I can't remember what the tweet was. It's something about Avatar, like the <laughs> the last airbender. And then Kazumi and Maria Misan sort of and Adira like all like kind of egged, egged Viditya on. This is like really late at night on a Saturday or something. And like they just decided like, okay, we're just going to start a Google doc and make this fucking game, make this avatar game. And a bunch of people just like said, like, can I jump in? Can I jump in? And I jumped in. And like, it was like a dozen people just working on this avatar game at, from like midnight Pacific to like four or 5 AM Pacific. And just like throwing ideas out in this Google doc. And then it was a lot of really cool stuff. It was me engaging with a lot of these designers. I didn't know at the time. And like, it wasn't really, there wasn't a hard, there wasn't a said time limit or anything, but like, we all kind of knew like we, that this, it was kind of, if at least to me, it felt like this very ephemeral thing, but like once people leave, it's probably, they're probably not going to come back to this. And then out of that, it, like we all thought it was really good. And then out of that, Maria Misan on their Twitch, Maria Bumby.itch.io put out dual natures and avatar inspired face off. And I think that's like one of the most creative projects I ever participated in and that came out of a very game jam-esque environment out of that just came out of in response to 
a shit post tweet, but they DM me. <laughs> I love that. How cool would that like six hour workshop like experience be, right? Like to just like randomly draw five people. Here's your prompt inside of a Google Doc link we'll give you. Go to fucking town. Like something like that is is really like I don't know. I like the energy of it. It's mm-hmm. very like tingling. I think that that is, that is a beautiful trend to think about too. Just like thinking about shorter, shorter things, right? Short. I think about like shorter campaigns. Like when you do actual plays, I think about shorter iteration cycles. I think about like not, not trying to bite off more than you can chew mm-hmm. at any one given time. Right. And doing things like very small increments very quickly, I think, mm-hmm. is more powerful than something you do on a longer stretch of time that you end up like sputtering out of and then feel sort of unfulfilled in because you didn't want to iterate on it. That gives you a lot more room to be like a lot or not room, I guess, but gives you opportunity to be a lot more focused and mm-hmm. lot, be a lot tighter. So like you just this is there's this very specific theme or this very specific moment I want to hit. And like, I don't need, I don't need 300 pages to do it. I, I can do it in 12 and like, that's all I need. And I can do it in a weekend and like getting that out and then doing a bunch of small projects that like really hit on these very specific things can be as fulfilling as having this long sort of epic thing. Like you mm-hmm. like, I also, I have projects that are going to end up being longer, like sort of more trad fantasy games that I, I'm, passionate about but they do hit a different spot than a lot of these smaller tighter games that i'm working on too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think there's room for both in the in our industry yeah N- yeah neither is like exclusionary of the other yeah and also not like better than the mm-hmm. other as well they just feel different i think that's one a really cool thing that you're sort of maybe touching on here is mm-hmm. like they fill different niches like there are people who want the 300 page campaign book there are people who just want the pillars like in galactic 2e like that's enough for them right who can who have good improv skills it's also about like level of of knowledge right like some people want a big book that can hold their hand a lot of the time that's why like dnd adventure modules exist and stuff like that and then there are some people who don't who just don't buy that but what they do buy are like toolkit things for prompting maybe stuff like beak feather and bone or mother effing microscope right like a lot of those games facilitate creative tertiary uses grasping nettles is another example so yeah i think i think it's about like the niche isn't I don't know. I just, I I've had some recent conversations where it's about like, how do you capture a wider audience? And I think that when you want to turn this into a business, when you want to turn game design into a business, right. And I think that the thing is that there is a wide audience out there that's not being grabbed because you're focusing on the wider audience that's already grabbed, right? I mean, people talk about accessibility in their games for dyslexia or colorblindness or providing audio components. Those are people who are not being engaged with in our industry on a, on a wide level, right? Those are people who, who will buy your 
product or your content, if that's what you want this to be, like if you want to, and as the show is, it's providing an avenue both for doing this as a hobby, but also doing this as a career is like, there are people out there who are not being fulfilled in the needs that they have. And so instead of trying to conquer wizards of the coast and, and break off a piece of that pie, why not just bake your own pie? Right. And like, you can even, you can play in that pool that wizards has that very high fantasy heroic sort of sorcery and magic and still be a lot different. You can be like a lot of these OSR games are like so drastically different or like maybe, I should say sword dream instead of OSR because they're less fash. And, (laughs) (laughs) but there's, there's a lot of games that like sort of play in that same wheelhouse that are, that feel like really unique. And like, you can have that D and D experience, but you could also have these other experiences playing in a, you could play like the same adventure and have such a different experience just based on the different mechanics, a different game gives you Mm -hmm. because you're, you have a different way to engage with Mm -hmm. the, the conflicts that are presented to you. (laughs) And there's room for that. And like, it doesn't like, we don't all need to play 5e. You can play 5e if you want, but like it also we, there's room for everything else. And there's, there's room for everything. And like, there's, there's this writing aphorism, I think that I can't remember the specific phrasing of, but like to have great appeal, you want to be very specific Mm -hmm. because like people, there's seven, seven billion people on this planet a lot of them are going to have a lot of that same experience and like, like those same things. So like by emulating this very specific feeling, emotion theme, you're going to appeal to a certain number of those 7 billion people who, who hopefully you like, and a certain number of them are going to engage with content in the language that you, that you present it in and can engage with that if you can get it to them. And so Mm -hmm. like, you don't, you don't need to appeal to everybody. You just need to appeal to this very specific thing and hope and try and get that in the hands of the other people who like that, who are also interested in that thing. Got to find your 100 true fans. You know what I mean? Love it. Great saying Kevin last little bit here. That's me. It's you. God, if I could hug you right now. I'm making a hugging noise on this microphone. I hope I'm not blowing out your ears. Tips, last little tip thing. If you had a tip out there to share in terms of, because you're part of a lot of projects. And so I know like collaboration is pretty much the basic answer to this, but like, what have you found to be effective in terms of connecting with people? What would be a tip you could give for people who want to broaden their social circles or be a part of more things. What have you found effective for you? Right. Circling back, finding niches of things like fine. I, I was able to get on unbreakable because I am in the niche of Asian, Asian English speaking designers working in tabletop. And like, that's not an avenue that's accessible to everybody clearly, Mm -hmm. but like you can find these niches of like, there's a uncaged anthology or is an all femme focused team, I believe. And Mm -hmm. like sort of finding these, these groups that really want to pursue these very specific niches and through their, being not a shitty person and like showing yourself as reliable in working Mm. uh, with people so that they, and then letting it be known, like don't, 
don't like be shy about being like, I'm, I'm looking for some writing work. Like I'm currently on the MacGuffin and co odd jobs, Kickstarter writing some, something for one of their supplements. And I like, they, I just straight up added them on Twitter. Like, Hey, you need somebody to contribute to this. I can contribute to this. Hmm. And like, there's, there's folks putting out those feelers out there if you know where to look. And also, like, if you are just actively in the social spaces, people will, like, notice you and come to you for stuff. My very first writing gig, I uh, was I got connected to that. I, I wrote for uh, the history of Vietnam in reference to France for Red Carnations on a Black Grave. And I, I was able to get that through James, James Mendez Hodes, who we both shared a, a social space. And he was just, he, he was, he put out a, he put out feelers for like, are there any, are there any Vietnamese descent folks who can speak to this subject matter? I was like, yeah, I can, I can speak to that subject matter. And I hooked up, I was able to get on that project through that. So it's just being, being active in the social spaces without, but not in such a way that's like that you're mining for opportunities. Like mm. just be there because you like being in these social spaces in specifically social spaces and like make it known that you're looking for opportunities, but don't make it weird in that you're only looking for opportunities. You're mm. your primary in social spaces, specifically your primary goal should be to be social and to like be friendly with folks and like connect. But in there are those will hopefully lead to other spaces that are more work oriented and in those you can also get more work. Mm-hmm. So like just being, be in these spaces, be don't, don't be an asshole, but don't hide the fact that you're ma- looking for work or like the three highlights there. I love it. I'm here for it. I vibe with it. I, you know, I'm engaging in that now. And so, yeah, I think, you know, often on the show we've had the advice of like, find social circles to be a part of. But I think it's also, I think what's missing from maybe that advice that you sort of put out here that I maybe never articulated or -hmm. tried to articulate with other guests. Not that they didn't mean this. I don't want to, I'm not spitting on any other guests here, please. Other, I love every one of you, but I think something to add to that advice is like, be a part of the spaces that you want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Right. I think part of that past advice is like, be a part of spaces that you quote unquote, need to be a part of like, that's how it could feel, right? Be a part of the brain trust because there are a lot of designers there, maybe not necessarily because you like game design, right? Mm -hmm. If you wanted to be in actual play production, like maybe that's not the space for you there, right? That that will help you do the thing you want to do, right? And it shouldn't be transactional. Is that what I'm trying to put here? But you should find the spaces that you want to you know, you are a person is a sum of the people that they have around them. And then is also an additional sum of the people that those people have around them. Right. You're like a combination of like 16 different people. Mm -hmm. And so at any one time, and I think that, you know, I wanted to be a part of a game design culture. I Mm -hmm. wanted to be a part of a POC culture. I want to be a part of conversations about diversity and inclusion i want to be a part of trad adventure game spaces because i like those sorts of games and you know all of that has the opportunity for me to be a part of it if i want to you know 
do an actual play using a trad adventure game. I want to design lore for people. I want to help with GM systems. I want to make subclasses or whatever have you, whatever the pieces are, right? And so mm-hmm. if you have, I think if those all become resonant, it will naturally provide opportunities for you to be a, a part of things. And that's what I'm picking up from from what you're saying here. Are mm-hmm. we on the same same yeah. page, Kevin? Yeah. And like, make sure you want to be in those spaces, not that you need to be in those spaces. Yes. There are like, yes, for some folks, this is like work and things, but also the there it, it is a lot of these spaces are very social and like people will, people will be very keen to pick up on if you're coming at this in a transactional manner mm-hmm. and like, nobody wants that. Like regardless, like you can, we can contract each other and like, we can help each other out and work for each other, but specifically in social spaces like discords, if you come in there, and like only want to talk about your own stuff, only want to like mine other people for their ideas and people will queue up on that. And like, that's, that's not acting in good faith of the space. Mm-hmm. And that's really, it's, it's bad form in like most spaces, especially in more socially oriented spaces. And in that also in that, like make sure you're operating within your own comfort levels because people can pick up on that as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, speaking for myself, I find it very hard, difficult to engage in larger discords. Like I joined the brain trust at when, when it wasn't super, it, it had a big audience, but like, it wasn't like the mo it wasn't as busy as it currently is. And mm-hmm. I could engage more then, but now it's become a little overwhelming for me. So mm-hmm. now I'm more lurking in there and not, not really putting out as much. And I'm more spectating. And like, that's just my comfort level because I find it like, I struggle to keep up in spaces that are that have like two that have a certain threshold of a large audience and people and a certain threshold of activity because just for a personal reason. So like make sure you're operating in your own comfort levels in, in, mm-hmm. in all things really, because mm-hmm. your, your own comfort should be uh, secondary only to like the comfort of like the planet. What a beautiful note to end on. Praise the planet. Kev- <laughs> <laughs> Mother nature, please. Thank you for being on the show, Kevin. It has been an absolute, I mean, we talk outside of this, but it's finally a pleasure to have you on the show, on the record. For everyone at home, Kevin, why don't you give a quick outro to yourself? Again, plug yourself, talk about things, where can people find you, get to you. All these links will be in the show notes for your access listeners. I've, I, I've, I'm Kevin Wynn. My pronouns are currently he, him. You can find my game, my personal game work over on winconditions.com. That's N-G-U-Y-E-N conditions.com, which will lead to an itch, itch page, which includes Volleyboys, my really latest release. And soon we'll hopefully include Nice Kill, a related volleyball anime release. And you can also find my written work and currently in Unbreakable Volume 1, available on DriveThruRPG, and the upcoming Unbreakable Revolutions, which will also be available on DriveThruRPG. And you can come see me on Wednesday nights at 5.30 Pacific, on twitch.tv forward slash all nerds here playing on an all P- all bimpoc cast with simon moody alex guerrero charu patel Viditya valetti and jr zambrano we're currently playing in some retro future cyberpunk th- on, through hardwired island we're having a great time i play a really grumpy old skater man who looks like the crypt keeper and acts like the crypt keeper <laughs> <laughs> 
Amazing. Really great stuff. Yeah. Make sure to go check out all this. Make sure to go get Volley Boys. Look out for Nice Kill. Everyone, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for sitting along with Kevin and I. We really appreciate it. And, you know, I learned a lot. So I I hope you did too. We will see you next time. Say bye to the people, Kevin. Bye. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Bye. Thanks for being here. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for taking the time to sit down and hang out with Kevin and I. We really appreciate it. You can find links and resources down below in the show notes, such as getting in touch with Kevin or other episodes with similar topics. If you want to be a part of the conversation, please come and join the community Discord server. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Draw Your Dice Patreon, where you can get access to early releases of episodes from as soon as we interview. Thanks again for stopping by, and as always, I will catch you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.